So, hello and welcome to episode 11 of this Outcast with myself, Glenn Price, and uh, Ollie Warner. How are you, Ollie? Hi, hi, Glenn. Morning. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. We're recording this in the morning, aren't we? Which is quite unusual. We normally record these on a uh, Sunday evening, so a bit of a different uh, situation for us. I've got to try and make sure the kids don't burst in and completely ruin the podcast record. But yeah, we've been away for a week, so it's uh, nice to be back. Um, obviously, we've got three games that have happened in the uh, intervening period, all 1-1, which is quite strange. So um, yeah, we're looking forward to tearing into sort of where we are again with Salop at the moment, because uh, been a bit grim again, hasn't it, Ollie? Yeah, it certainly has. Yeah, so um, unfortunately, I missed. Well, I decided not to go to Wimbledon because I just didn't want to watch any more Shrewsbury Town football. Um, and um, <laughs> yeah, Peterborough couldn't make, but yeah, um, plenty to discuss. Lots of different topics. Yeah, looking forward to getting your feedback, um, Glenn, on the Peterborough grain. Yeah. And also, we've got a report from Keith Barrow on the AFC Wimbledon grain. So yeah, I'll kind of getting some more people on the pod. That's fantastic. So yeah, plenty to get through. And looking forward to having a um, good discussion about this. Yeah, it should be good. I, 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 we might be able to tell from this introduction. I'm suffering from a bit of a cold at the moment, so if I get halfway through and my voice is completely gone, then we might have to think about how we get on with this recording. But to get Rory at the in. moment, get it seems, yeah, subbing my son, that wouldn't be the worst idea. Um, so I'm going to blame Shrewsbury Town for making me sick, I think, really. that's <laughs> It's that bad at the moment. But um, yes, we'll, we'll crack on now and we'll move on to covering the games and, and see what we think. So let's go. So game number one we're going to review in this pod was um, the away draw at AFC Wimbledon um, and we have a report from Keith Barrow so um, yeah we'll let Keith um, give us his share his thoughts and here we go. Okay so it's Monday evening so we're 48 hours after the game now back in Shrewsbury and yeah I've had some time to think about it. Um, I did actually record a bit of a voice uh, recording before the game, basically slating Sarsfish's inclusion in the team. But in hindsight, I owe him an apology because Jim O'Brien was far worse. The first half was pretty much as you'd expect to Shrewsbury first half these days. Black and O'Brien spent the entire first half having a game of who could give the ball away more. We looked inept. We were playing the ball, lumping the ball forwards against a big physical team with one man up front who is not renowned for his heading of the ball. And I think this was shown by the chance that he wasted from Junior Brown um, midway through the first half. I mean, by that stage, we were already one down from what I'm sure you can say is a very soft goal. It wasn't hit hard into the box. It was basically P-rolled into the box. Nobody reacted and they slotted home. At that stage, the crowd were the crowd were lost about five minutes in. Voices were starting to get raised against the team. And it looked like it was going to be another long day at the office. But you know, fair play to Mickey Mellon. He made the changes at half-time. O'Brien coming off. Leach Smith coming off, which I thought was a bit unfair, but he hadn't really done much in the first half. So I guess Mickey just wanted more productivity. Yeah, much better. Wally looked a threat. We, we attacked in greater numbers. Um, I thought Dodds didn't do much more than Leach Smith, but, you know... It, it just looked like a better team. I was midway through moaning about Black's inability to shoot from distance as he nested the equaliser. So, we, yeah, it was a better second half. Um, no one was ever going to slate Mickey Mellon because the referee was by far the worst person in the ground at his job. It was ridiculous how many decisions he got wrong. So it was just it was appalling in both halves. Um, he got advantages wrong. He got fouls wrong, he got offsides wrong, he got throw-ins wrong. I mean, the linesman on our side was just as bad, but it was just ridiculous. Um, the first free, the first yellow card against Tony was a bit of a, 
a lot of the fans around us had the blue and amber specs on and didn't think it was a foul. Um, to me, he was always coming in from behind, a bit of a scissor motion. He was running the risk. He was always running the risk. The second one, the linesman didn't see it. The referee didn't see it, yet both of them uh, decided that it was a second yellow card. Their goalkeeper made a right meal of it, as I suppose he's entitled to do, being a professional footballer and therefore never be on cheating, but it was, it was harsh. Um, it really changed the game. It took all the emphasis off our attacks and it was it was a tough finish um, when they got the free kick about 25 yards out I really thought that was going to be the um, the kick in the teeth but thankfully it was high wide and handsome we came away with the points I think a special mention goes to my man of the match Jason Lutweiler um, some of his saves in the second half were game saving really he really did you know for the first time this season, really save his points, in my opinion. So in terms of men of the match, I give him one. Um, I thought Wally's um, contribution in the second half made all the difference. It's He looked dangerous. He, um, he created. He had a shot himself. He made them back off, which is something that we didn't do at all. And uh, my third man of the match for the top three is... Probably Grimmer, probably Grimmer. Um, it was going to be Grimmer or Black, and I think Black Black could have been sent off for that diving in the middle of the park. And even though he scored, um, like I said early on, him and O'Brien spent so much time wasting the ball. I think to give to give him a top three spot would just be a bit unfair. Um, so yeah, it wasn't a bad day out. Decent following from the town, nearly three hundred. Um, just a shame we couldn't come away with more. Okay, so thanks, Keith, for that. Um, good to get his opinion and um, his view on the game. Um, his um, top three um, were Worley, um, Lutweiler and Grimmer, so similar names again. Yeah, it's sort of the same player standing out every week, isn't it, at the moment? <clears throat> it's quite quite interesting listening to, it, to his thoughts, really, about how... Um, Harry sort of thought that there was a big change between the first and the second half because that's the sort of thing I talked to a few fans after at the Peterborough game about it and they were like the crowd were really sort of getting on the team's back in the first half because it wasn't acceptable what was what was going on but <clears throat> a lot of people were saying that actually it was one of the first times in a, in a while that Mellon made some decent subs at half time and changed it around and sort of got a better performance out of it so um, it's nice to see he can still affect games through substitutions and management so <laughs> having what's happened in the last two games has obviously put a bit of a different spin on that but yeah I suppose at the time considering everything that was going on it was quite an encouraging result to go down there and get a point really wasn't it Ollie? Yeah I think a point away from home is always good Um, I guess the only um, downside for me um, listening to a bit of it on the radio was obviously another red Not ideal especially with Tony he's been quite an important player hasn't he so yeah yeah, obviously we missed him for the Peterborough game but um, yeah all in all I suppose you can't really complain about points at Wimbledon I I would just summarise that by saying they are one of the teams that came up so you would have thought if we'd made that much progress we'd be looking to go and win at Wimbledon but um, it sounds like a lot of things sort of stood against us from what Keith said the referee quite poor and was getting all the little things wrong as well which sort of breaks the game up and was no flow to it sort of thing so yeah I suppose it was a result that took the pressure off Mellon in some respects didn't it for a week and then uh, in, the, in the lead up to the Peterborough game so yeah it, it wasn't the worst result really to sort of start the start the week was it but um, no. yeah and, and anything else on that one really Ollie? No not really no um, yeah like I said a point away from home is, is, is alright um, and yeah it was nice to see Black score I guess that's a positive as well get someone else scoring some goals because we have been struggling for goals um, but no, no. In, let's just move on to the Peterborough game. Interesting. To, so obviously you went to this game, and yeah, keen to kind of get your your thoughts on this one. Yeah, I mean, we both missed the Wimbledon game, didn't we? Obviously for uh, various reasons. But um, I managed to make the Peterborough game. Yeah, it was. 
quite an interesting, quite a great interesting evening, really. Um, the first thing was that just on the the game start in blinking, Big Sam got sacked from the England manager's position, so it kind of distracted everybody from uh, the what what the game was. Most people were just sitting talking about that, really. The, the start of the game wasn't all that interesting anyway, so at least it gave people something to talk about. But yeah, I mean, you've probably seen the highlights, Ollie. It was pretty much all all Peterborough in the first half. The atmosphere was nervy. Um, the crowd sort of struggled to get behind the team, um, which isn't surprising considering what's been going on at home. Uh, they missed a fair few sitters. Um, the sort of most exciting thing that happened for us in the first half was a sort of Sean Wally long shot, um, and he was pretty good first half. Sean Wally, bit of attacking verb, um, sort of put us going on the front foot whenever he got the ball. Our set pieces were awful again, <laughs> unsurprisingly. There's a lot of groans from the fans for that sort of thing. Every time we got a free kick, it was straight to their keeper. And every time they had a free kick or a corner, we were just nowhere near winning the header. And I think it talks about something we've been talking about for a while, doesn't it, about our set pieces? Yeah, it seems to be a consistent theme, doesn't it? The, um, the lack of um, our inability to defend um, set pieces and, and the fact that we keep giving free kicks away um, for little fouls all the time, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a worry that continues and... Yeah, we don't seem to have a fix for that at the moment. No. Um, I guess one thing I did pick up, I was looking, I was um, away, I was at a family meal, that's why I couldn't attend, but um, I was looking online, as you do, and kind of keeping a cheeky look on my phone, and, and I saw there was quite a weird formation that was being played. Yeah. What was your view on that? Well, I, I kind of given up with formations, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> in some respects because Shrewsbury Town want to tell us that we always play three at the back and then you know the wing backs are sort of midfielders which is not true is it really Ever, no. Mickey Mellon plays with a defensive mentality in his games and if we're playing wing backs we're essentially playing five at the back with a, with a you know going out of an opinion not to lose the game and they don't get forward the wing backs and you could probably say the same for Peterborough and for the game we'll talk about later on Swindon which we both went to where the wing backs are just a, a sort of an additional defender, so I, it's hard, you know. Whatever formations are sort of printed that we're playing, I never really sort of believe them. It, to me, we're, we're just playing, you know, five at the back and then also two shielding defenders, and it just—I don't think we need, you know, seven of the players in the team to be defensively minded if we get at home and we're trying to win games that are absolutely vital. So, my, my view of it is the t- tactics are just all over the shop really I suppose at least he's yeah. consistent with playing five at the back <laughs> I suppose that's the positive thing you could say yeah no that's, that's, yeah, that's one thing you could say um, but how was the um, how was the fans reaction so obviously at the moment there's been quite a lot of um, the fans have been vo- quite vocal at half time and full time what was the reaction at this half time <laughs> Well, yeah, before we got to half-time, obviously, we were just talking about set-pieces and the goal came from a set-piece, didn't it? Just uh, just on the stroke of half-time. Um, that was a bit before half-time, wasn't it? And it was exactly the same as Scunthorpe. Um, free kick in pretty much the same position um, to sort of the right of the box as I'm looking at it from the West End. And it was just put in with a sort of lowish trajectory and it's sort of just one of those ones that sort of went through, got a little touch. I think it got two touches off their players. Soft goal, you know, no challenge. Um, just awful defending, really. And... You know, to to have conceded two goals like that in uh, in a week and a half or two weeks, whatever it was, you know, are we learning the lessons from how that Scunthorpe goal went in? Do you know what I mean? It doesn't seem like. No, but yeah, and it also makes me think about the um, comment that uh, Mickey Mellon made after the um, Scunthorpe te- um, game about the height in the team, mm. which is a bit odd considering he signed all these players. But um... I quite liked it, didn't he? He said that one of the things that we should do is to make our players taller. Well. Great, nice one, Mickey. I'd like to see how you're going to do that, unless you've got some sort of <laughs> potion that you've been concocting. <laughs> I'm not sure that's going to be the solution to the problem. At the end of the day, the only solution to that problem is in Christmas time, if he's still here, he has to go and get some players who are slightly taller, and it kind of just means we're rebuilding again, doesn't it? So, mm, not great. Yeah. Not a great comment for me, that one. But um, as you were asking about the fans, yeah, they booed him off at half-time, and rightly so. To be honest with you, we were awful first half against Peterborough. Despite the goal, they could easily have been 
three. It, you wouldn't have been surprised if Peterborough three three nil up, three two up, three one up. Sorry, because the Wally chance was. I mean, the Wally chance was a good effort, and the keeper made a good save. But he was like twenty five yards out when he hit it. So the only other sort of half chance we had is was Brown got down the wing and put a ball in, but there was just nobody there as usual. So it was not great in the first half. Um, and they also hit the post just for half time. And Luke Wyler made a couple of really good saves. So. It could have been worse, and being booed at half-time was, was fairly apparent it was going to happen. People were really grumbling and, and, and groaning, and yeah, it was um, not good. And then come to half-time, everyone's sort of down, we're 1-0 down, we haven't played well, so we're expecting all the changes from Mickey Mellon, and, and what happened, Ollie? No changes. <laughs> he's 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 very, very scant with his substitutions isn't at the moment, isn't he? I know we praised him for maybe making some at half-time at Wimbledon, but it seems strange then against Peterborough he didn't make those changes when it was, was quite when it was necessary. Yeah, no, it's... Um, and yeah, I think what substitutions were common, there's quite a lot of um, criticism of his substitutions from fans and also sometimes the media as well, isn't mm. there, at the moment? And people not really suring, sure why he's making certain changes. No. And, it, and so we came out and played basically the same tactic... Uh, in the second half and, and didn't really change all that much until, until we did make some subs a bit later on but one of the frustrating things I noted about the game was we kept playing long balls to AJ Leach-Smith but they weren't balls for him to chase over the top they were sort of balls up to a target man and for me, <laughs> that's not his role. I think we've sort of said similar things before, haven't we? But why we why it didn't work? It didn't work in the first half, and why we persisted to do it in the second half? God only knows. It just that's not his game, is it? Really, Smith. He's he's a different kind of player, isn't he, Ollie? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's the kind of player for me that will either want the ball to feet so he can try and turn the player, or he will, um, yeah, try and um, yeah run onto something because he has got a lot of pace. But yeah, lumping balls up forward towards him, <laughs> and he's not. You know, if he was six foot five. Um, and as as broad as he is, because mm. he's quite a, a stocky lad, you know, he would be, yeah, that perfect kind of target man. But um, he ain't a target man, he's is he? No, and, he, and in, in fairness, <laughs> he's not playing all that well. But it's one of those ones where it's a bit tough to judge him, isn't it? Because he's got very little service and, and sort of played one game and then been out for two games, then come back in in a tough situation. And he's certainly one of the ones that's been sort of knocked around pillar to post so far this season, isn't he? So yeah, he probably needs a consistent run in the team, but I would very much doubt he's going to get it. Yeah, I think it's... Just funny, you just chatting. Then I remembered, um, remembered a, a um, kind of a story with um, Darius. Remember Darius Hassell when he first came through oh, yeah. um, the team into a Villa. Um, I when I grew up, I used to go to quite a few Villa games. My next door neighbour was a massive Villa fan, and he used to say, "Do you want to go to a football game?" I'd never say no. And it was always like a fiver or something like that. So I remember um, he came through the youth system, and I remember at the start of the season, I'm pretty sure it was John Gregory said to him, and almost said to the media, "I'm going to play you ten games. Mm. I'm going to play you ten games in a row, and you're going to get the chance." And guess what? He cemented his place in. The the team and sometimes I think you always you need that consistency don't you you need if you're a player you need to learn and get used to playing in your surroundings and you need that run of games yeah um you know not worrying about I'm not gonna, if I don't take my chance or if I mess up a one pass I'm not going to start the next game you need mm. that kind of pressure taken off you yeah some, anyway I don't know well it's 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 very true and and and, and that's what probably play, all players would say to you wouldn't they but you're never going to get that in a Mickey Mellon team at the moment particularly where we are at the moment the, the changes come every week whether they're through injuries or suspensions or just Mickey Mellon's bit of tinkering every week that he likes to do um, you never you know there's not that many be- many are getting a regular run in the team other than sort of the, the sort of key players that he has you know you look at the central midfielders and Black and Deegan and Ogogo you know they sort of all played a little bit this season you know has any one of them played every game this season I doubt it They've all probably played a reasonably even amount of games, haven't they? So even the centre mids who, who we're relying on as our sort of key players to sort of get a hold of the games are sort of in and out. I mean, to be fair, some of them have been suspended yeah. and injured, so it's not quite the same. But it's just probably one of the reasons why we're not clicking in, in that midfield area. But 
Yeah, there we go. Um, the other thing then, so uh, as the game went on then, obviously the fans still were a bit on edge um, and there was quite a few chances to get Louis Dodds on. Um, in fact, the champ for Louis Dodds went on for about probably pretty much from half time till he came on I can't remember what it was now maybe about 60 65 minutes something like that um, and it was sort of getting louder and louder and louder and just new melon <laughs> it was almost like he was standing there with his arms folded like I'm not bringing Dodds on if they're going to chant for it but I'm sure that wasn't the case but anyway he did come on eventually so uh, that was quite good but I'll tell you two players who did get notably jeered and booed and I think I could say the same thing for um, one of those players that's winning as well Saravich and Alabd I'm starting to think the fans have just like we, this is more of an interesting wider point Ollie but we've we've sort of said for a few weeks and, and fans are generally saying it in social media and the fans I meet that well it's all Mickey Mellon you know Mickey Mellon's to blame for everything blah 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 we've got good League One players we should be doing better than we are but I think that some fans are starting to get to a point where it's not just the ire that's directed towards Mickey Mellon now there is some ire being directed towards specific players who are consistently underperforming and I would I would I would put Saravich I mean he hasn't played all that much but people are completely unconvinced and also people are wising up should I say to Al Abd I, I, I spoke to a lot of people over the last two games who have got not a good word to say about Al Abd I, I don't know what you think about that because obviously we met him and we thought he was a nice bloke but it's, it's interesting that other people's views are much more negative than ours maybe yeah I'd, I'd say um, I don't want to move on too much into the Swindling game no. but the Swindling game he had a poor performance yeah yeah. He wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't good. And um, yeah, I think, I think it's an interesting um, discussion, isn't it? How much is it the players? How much is it the tactics? How much is the formation? Is it? This is what's going on in the dressing room. Mm. Um, but yeah, the results don't lie. No, I, I will come. We'll come back to that wider point later on. We'll just run through the rest of this game. But um, it was just one thing. But it was very noticeable at the um, at that game. Um, so yeah, Lutweiler then made unbelievable saves uh, sort of three really quick saves and then we made that that we made the break that obviously anyone that was there saw the goal um, we sort of got it went down the line put the ball into the back post and Ian Black free scoring Ian Black <laughs> um, it's a good header actually <laughs> back across goal you saw the highlights didn't you what did you make of that goal Ollie? yeah no it was a good one it was a nice goal it was good to see. and it was nice to see a score from open play as well yeah it was nice to see one of those sitting midfielders actually get forward enough to get in the box but it was one of those sort of sweeping you know, um, counter-attacks, because, you know, they were all up the pitch. And, and you know, again, we'll take about this in the wider point, but to me, it seems like that's what we're playing for at the moment, counter-attacks. But anyway, it seems odd to be playing for counter-attacks at home. Um, and obviously then we went into the mad five minutes, and uh, Sarovich then sort of had a late drive into the box, um, and then he won the penalty, red card, they're down to ten, and it looks all super sweet. Ian Black's stepping up, you know, he's just scored two and two, looking for his third goal in, in two games, penalty, and what happened? Poor penalty. And then I have to say, it's AJ Lee Smith, the follow up was easier to score than it was to miss. Again, again, I don't know if you saw the highlights, but what, what an opportunity. Two opportunities there to sort of get a lead in a game that was vital to win for Mellon and it just didn't go our way, did it? No, it's all about fine margins, <laughs> Don't Don't say that, Ollie. You're not allowed to say fine <laughs> margins. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be in trouble for that. Um, yeah, so yeah, missed that. And then. We we didn't change it again. We still played the five at the back, you know, all the wing backs, but we still played the five at the back and didn't change it straight away. And we never really sort of went at them that much. And we never really had that much of a chance against the 10 men. Um, Wally obviously got injured and the town fans booed the substitution, but obviously a lot of them must have known he was injured. He was limping beforehand, so I'd kind of spotted that he was injured. But I just think people thought you were taking off our most attacking threat and, and Mellon was getting the grief for that. Um, there was just ironic cheers for the rest of the substitutions. Moa came on for Saravich. Um, which was sort of ironic cheers because Saravich should have come off ages before and then there was more ironic cheers for AJ um, coming off for Mangan because we were going to try and win a game and all he did was make a like-for-like substitution up front so you know just Yeah how was Saravich so because how was the Saravich I haven't seen that much of him he came on obviously um, in the Swindon game and I thought he looked a bit 
he didn't he doesn't doesn't look he just doesn't looks a bit leggy and a bit off mm. the pace. Mm. Don't know how we coped because he played eighty minutes, didn't he, um, against Peterborough? Yeah, and it, apparently, apparently he was he was much better at Wimbledon as well, according to to um, the guys that went there. But I, he's I don't know, he, he's a bit of a I don't know. He didn't really. I do know. I don't want to say I don't know. He didn't really do anything. I mean, the 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 penalty that he won was good. He made a late burst into the box, but you know he might have done that like twice in the whole game. The rest of the time, he seemed to be sitting deep. He wasn't really getting up and trying to join him with the front guys. So, um, I don't know. He, he doesn't seem 100% fit. I mean, you know he's played 80 minutes and he played at Wimbledon, but then, you know, he didn't play at all in the in the Swindon game. I know he picked up a knock, but um, it, it's a strange one for me. I'm just... I haven't seen enough of him to be utterly convinced one way or the other. Do you know what I mean? Because he hasn't played that much and yeah. probably in the same boat yet. So, we'll, we'll have to give him a few more full games before he can make a judgment of it. But I haven't seen anything that makes me think... You know, I haven't seen anything that sort of why he was a, a really good player for Fleetwood and stood out every week and played 90 minutes every week. You know, We're not seeing that here, are we? It's certainly a, a slightly no, different period in his career for him. Yeah, no, it's frustrating. I guess it's um, yeah, he's one of the players that hasn't really, um, hasn't really kind of hit any form yet. No, no. So, so obviously we didn't, obviously we had a, um, obviously again, um, we didn't um, beat a, men, uh, a team with 10 men. Nope. Which is a bit frustrating. It's massively frustrating. I mean, I'd say Junior Brown probably had his worst game of the season so far. He was pretty poor. His, his control has really started to let him down in the game. Um, and yeah, at the end they were booed off again. Uh, probably wasn't as sort of stronger booing as as Scunthorpe. And I do think that there was a fair few fans that thought that the town did fight against the ten men and they did try to score. But for me, it was a bit of a start, startling lack of quality. Really, there was and and the, the tactics at the end of that game against ten men were just mad. It was just a basically. Everyone was just sort of... When he brought Mower and, and Mangor on, they didn't really seem to know where they were playing. Um, they were sort of just ambling around between the lines and there was no real sort of... You know, you know, like, I would think that Mickey Mellon must sort of have a tactic. When we go down to 10 men, he must drill into the players that this is what we do. We drop these guys in here, you fill in the hole, you push right on, you sit in the middle there and you look for chances. It doesn't... It never seemed like that. It just seemed a bit like, get the ball, keep putting it forward and hoping that it falls to someone, which is not the way to play against 10 men, surely, is it? You know, it's... It's relying on mistakes for the other team, isn't it? Rather than trying to impose a, a game against ten men. And I know they sit back deep, but yeah, not great. Yeah, it very much seem. Um, I don't know. It seems a bit of a. Um, the tactics clearly aren't working at the moment, no. um, and it is very, very frustrating. Mm. Um, and and the fans booing. And and funny, you, just as you were chatting, then I thought I'd just have a look online. And um, I know it's a bit early in the season yet, and there probably will be some times where maybe the attendance go up. But our attendance average last year was five thousand four hundred and seven. Yeah, our average attendance this year so far in the league is um, four thousand eight hundred. That's a bit of a drop, isn't it? Big time. Yeah, yeah, six hundred, six hundred people down, <coughs> and uh, I know you were saying before we started the pod that um, quite a few of your mates um, from school and stuff just don't go anymore. Yeah, I mean, me and you used to play for the supporters team, didn't we? Like a years ago, it's it's more yeah. of those sort of lads, really. And these were the lads that would get up at like six in the morning to drive to Darlington to play Darlington's fans, and then we'd play in the you know we'd 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 win because we were good at that point in time, Ollie. And then um, yeah, that was my favourite game. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, yeah, and then we uh, would you know go and watch Shrewsbury in the afternoon at Darlington, and they would lose. <laughs> Um, but it, at least we won in the morning. But yeah, and th- these were lads that you know put their put their entire Saturdays around Shrewsbury Town. And uh, you know, I went out last night with a few of them I hadn't seen for a while, and and the, the, the sort of chat in a, in, a, in a group was quite interesting. You know, there's the four or five of us that still go every week, and we all still sit together. But the lads that have stopped going, it's for various reasons, not just to do with family reasons, it's just to do with the, the enjoyment has has gone out of it. And and they, a few of them have been to like one or two games a season, and just summed it up by saying it was just boring. And and it wasn't entertaining, and yeah. then the quality and the 
not the quality, but the a style of football maybe that we're watching at the moment is just not entertaining to watch. And if you're only going to home games and you're not going to the away games, where maybe that tactic kind of works better, doesn't it, Ollie? You know, playing five at the back yeah. and looking for a break. If you can do that away from home and nick a point or three points, I- I'd say that's good. I would say that tactic works fine. Is probably entertaining in the context of being away from home. That's fine. At home, it's not good to watch. And it's it's haven't been a year of it now. It's just putting people off. So, yeah, there we yeah. go. Um, but, yeah, they were booed off <laughs> again. And... Uh, yeah, there we go. So my my top three for the game were Lutweiler, number one, because he, he'd made so many good saves in the game again. And, and a few people have been getting off Lutweiler's back recently, I've noticed, you know, for some of the goals and stuff. But all right, he might make the odd mistake here and there that's costing us a goal. But quite, quite honestly, without him, we'd be losing games three or four nil and Mickey Mellon would already have been sacked. So he, for me, the saves he's making are absolutely vital. So I gave Lutweiler first. Um, I can't believe this, Ollie. I gave Black second because he was reasonably effective in the role he Black. did. Yeah, like he was reasonably effective in the role that he did in terms of sitting. You know, we don't need two sitting mid- defensive midfielders, but if we're going to have two, he's doing that job perfectly acceptably. Um, he was tight enough to his men most of the time, and the goal. You know, he can. You can I can kind of see that. And again, we'll talk about this winning the game. He is one of those players that's actually understanding the situation we're in and is trying to trying to impose him, his, his game on uh, the opposition and really get on it so and, and the goal he took that well you know got up there for it so I gave Black uh, second and I gave Wally third I'm still, I'm still reasonably unconvinced with Sean Wally he is our most potent attacking threat in terms of a, of a tricky skillful player but I, I still think he drifts out of games too much so yeah I gave Wally third so there we go couldn't okay, beat 10 men poor poor yeah so two draws um, two games and obviously we would go on to um, yeah next on to the Swindon game so obviously that was played yesterday yep. um, so obviously it's uh, very fresh and yeah, was, we both attended this game so I don't before we kind of go into the game I maybe want to share your experience I know you, um, you went to the, to a pre-match yeah so before we get into the game I actually obviously I've mentioned my children a lot <laughs> I'm very proud of that but um, I went to obviously it was the army um, day that they normally have, you know, with the helicopter lands on the pitch and all that sort of thing. Um, so I I went to do a bit of that, and also my kids are junior shrews now, so I thought I'll take them into the um, the junior shrews uh, community uh, sports trust. Is it the community sports team? I can't remember the call now. They do like for all the junior shrews, you can go into the the sort of porter cabin area that they've got, and there's lots of stuff on for the kids. And I I have to say. You know, it's quite some negative at the moment with a lot of stuff on the pitch, but the community team, fantastic stuff yesterday. They got the kids in there. They did a sort of shirt design, um, next year's kit design competition, which I didn't even know about. Apparently, if you do, um, the kids can go and design a shirt. If it wins, the player sort of, a player comes in. It was Abu Agogo this week. Um, picks the winning ticket, uh, picks the winning um, shirt, and it goes on to a competition at the end of the season. And apparently, fans are going to vote on one of these children's kits, which I think is quite cool, actually, isn't it? Oh, that's cool. And the best thing was for yesterday, my lad Rory, <laughs> he won, did a nice simple blue and amber kit. Oh. So there we go. It's going to go forward to a vote. <laughs> so it was, and, it, and there was no, just to be clear, there was no rigging there. It was purely, it was done down a Gogo. No, it was. It, uh, it. Yeah, he picked it. To be fair, I mean, a Gogo came in and spent quite a lot of time with a lot the kids um there was a fifa competition with the new fifa game and one of the lads uh, a little lad called josh won it and then he i think he had the sort of uh, he had the sort of um prize was to play abu agogo at fifa on the big telly that they've got in there and he beat him as well you know i've never seen it i've never seen a kid so happy for beating a professional footballer at fifa on the playstation <laughs> so <laughs> that was quite nice but he, he had loads of time for the for the for the um the fans he was sort of you know, sort of talking to people um, the guys that run the day, there's like two or three lads that were in there running it and talking to the kids. They were fantastic, I have to say. They they did like a guess the sort of uh, first goal score and, and score competition. Um, they had this kit thing. There was lots of other bits and pieces going on. There was balls to kick around with outside. So I, I have to say, 
you know, despite everything that's going on on the pitch, Shrewsbury Town, the community team, fantastic yesterday. My kids had a really good time there, and, and so did a lot of the other kids. And obviously then they had a chance to sort of go in some of the big vehicles, and then pre-match, obviously, there was music in the stands, which was quite good, Ollie. I don't know what you made of that. I, I, was, like a, I was like a military band at the game. If I'm honest, um, I was um, went to my brother came with me to the game um, and went to get some food and then we had a pint. So I got oh, into my seat boy. just one minute before the game <laughs> kicked off, maximising my time having a, a pint. So yeah, I never actually saw, never saw the helicopter, didn't see the band, didn't oh, see well, anything. If I'm honest, in, in, all, in all fairness, <laughs> most people do that, and I normally do that most weeks. But you know, on, a, on you know when they organise these sort of events like this. Um, they are good, and and especially for sort of families as well, it was pretty good. But it's a bit more interesting than sort of a normal pre-match where there's just nothing really going on. So there we go. I shall give Shrewsbury Town credit for this sort of pre-match entertainment and what was going on yesterday. I thought it was, uh, thought it was very good. So there we go. I said something positive, Ollie. Can we move on to the game now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. So I think maybe before we um kind of go into a lot and we have made quite a lot of comments on the game, maybe it's just worth kind of sharing. Um, some maybe three-word match reports. Oh, they were brilliant. I read you ones you got uh, this week. They were yeah, really funny. so it was really good. So it's really cool. It's really cool to get this. So we do it both on Twitter from the Salacaster account and also using Salacaster account on Facebook. So on Twitter, um, I picked um, two of the comments. So from Ian Jones, um, three games unbeaten. So <laughs> taking a positive stance. Um, Sam Smith said, sloppy, no attack. And then on Facebook, yeah, it was fantastic. It was 92 dis- comments in one evening, which is quite a lot for um, the Facebook group. Um, so Miles Warner said, um, can't link play. Um, Robert Fox said, boring negative Shrewsbury. Um, Roger Groves, players lacking confidence. Uh, Barry Nichols was more boring trash. <laughs> um, Rob Shearwood Smith was same every week. Andy Hamilton was bloody awful again. Um, <laughs> Daz Davis, stop passing backwards oh God, yeah. and um, aid and plimmer was absolute effing crap yeah so um yeah. i think that was quite a good summary really of the fans feeling and what i was hearing around um the fans so yeah thanks for those three words match reports yeah and i thought that was quite a bit of good kind of summary of how the fans are feeling well, i'll give you my th- summary and it'll lead into what we're about to talk about mine was pretty close to yeah. plimmer's he said absolutely effing crap mine was absolutely effing boring <laughs> that was what I would have said about it Saturday because that's what I personally felt it like it was. But yeah, go on. Sort of take us into the game, Ollie. You know what? What? what, what yeah. So, so yeah, mine would have been I think very, very frustrating. Oh um, yeah. So yeah, going in, going into the game again. I, you know, I do love t- tactics, and we'll just quickly talk about this. Obviously, we played the same five-two-two-one formation again. Um, and we were having a chat in the week, weren't there? There was a bit of discussion on Twitter um, with uh, Mark Elliott and um, the guy from Lewis and Shropshire Star Lewis about Cox, formations. Yeah. And yeah, I counted up. I've, I can't find it. And, um, but it was about eight or so formations that we've played and little tweaks. Um, so, yeah, we played this new formation again. And I don't really like it, to be honest. <laughs> no. But, um, yeah, we'll discuss on that, I think, when we discuss on the game. Because I think it had a big impact on how we played. But, um, yeah, it was um, a very, very frustrating game wasn't it mm, it um, was it was I don't know how we, how we want to tackle this one to be honest um, well yeah uh, I, it, let's tackle it as in <laughs> what went on in the game first before we get into the wider points I suppose yeah. we? so obviously yeah, um, the first goal really what, what, what did you make of that they're, they're you know, only nine minutes oh. into the game Jesus what, what wasn't the greatest start was it no it was poor it was poor <laughs> and this is yeah a bit embarrassing wasn't it so um their wing back, their right wing back has the ball. Um, Junior Brown kind of goes to him, but doesn't really put enough pressure on. Um, r- good ball into the box, kind of right onto the six yard mm. box line. Um, Lancashire doesn't track his man. Goes the, the striker goes from Lancashire over to Adam um, Elhab. 
no, neither of them track him headed back of the net. And to be honest, from a Swindon point of view, you'd say that was a pretty good goal. Yeah. But um, yeah, Brown didn't really close him down and there was no tracking in the box and no real attempt to try and stop him um, from scoring. Yeah, on the time, I, th- I thought the, the, the blame was totally with Al Abd. I thought it was him that had lost his man. And if you look at the highlights, you can't see Lancashire on the highlights. You can just see Al Abd sort of trying to run a bit faster than the, than the attacker but he's miles behind him anyway and going to get nowhere near to even make a challenge but I think someone was saying that actually it was it was Lancashire that initially lost him but either way you know awful defending again um, you know it's 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 headers yeah, how many headers have we conceded in that? I mean last, haven't the last three goals we've conceded at home been all headers yeah, the two from the free kick and that one so and, and all just from sort of a reasonable good cross into a box and it, it's not just a you know we were just saying before about it's a repeating pattern that we're just being pretty poor at set pieces but actually when you look at it we're becoming pretty poor at just heading the ball from decent balls into the box and the more we get bad at it the more teams are going to come and take advantage of that and, and, and have that as their tactic against us aren't they so yes yeah, yeah no, definitely and we sit so deep as well so we sit so deep and um it, it also puts, and obviously people see that um, you know Brown is the only man on that position. Um, you know, as a wing back, it's not like he's got a winker in front of him protecting mm. him, so he is isolated. He can't go diving in. Often the three central defenders are in the box, so he's there's a big gap between um, Brown and um, um, McGiven, who was playing on that um, left hand side of him. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a huge gap there. So he's isolated, so he can't dive in. So in some ways, I feel a bit sorry for Brown because he's a bit isolated. But even Mickey Mellon said, so Mickey Mellon said, we're, we're making it diff- very difficult for ourselves. I'm disappointed with the defending for the goal. And there's no getting away from that. Um, but I'm only saying what everyone else is saying. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it wasn't a good start to the game, was it? And that was um, nine minutes in and we're 1-0 down. And everyone, like, so people are trying, aren't the fans are trying to get support the team. But yeah, 1-0 down. After nine minutes, it just feels a bit like that was a bit of a groundhog day mm. moment. Mm. One, of, one of the things I might just say about this game is obviously you sat in the West End where we where we normally sit in Block Seventeen, but because I had the children, I sat in um, Block. Uh, I can't remember now. The one that's the nearest one of the family stand to where Mickey Mellon is. Uh, yeah. I can't remember what his name. <laughs> but I was in the East stand, so it was quite nice for us to actually be able to say, you know, in, in this podcast that what we're thinking that fans are saying and, and reacting like is is pretty consistent across both sides of the, sta- uh, the stadium because. Yeah, you know, obviously block Mick- six, isn't it? That's block it. six, that's it, yeah. Because obviously we've always said, well, the West Ham are saying this sort of thing and the general feeling is people are bored or angry or frustrated. I didn't detect any noticeable difference in the way fans feel in the family stand and, and you know, the Eastern stand to in the in the West Ham, to be honest with you. So I thought that was quite an interesting point. You know, as soon as they as soon as they scored, there was the sort of same sort of comments of, oh, same old, same old, and, oh, we're not getting tight. And it was the same, it was the same sort of comments and the same f- level of frustration. So it is interesting that it's not just sort of the West Ham guys that are the people who are booing Mickey Mellon and he's trying to sort of fight against that. I think it is a, I, I'm more convinced, having sat there this week, that it's much more of a wide-ranging, stadium-wide, Shrewsbury Town fan-base-wide that people are totally frustrated. Anyway, but there we go. It's just more of an aside, really, of the experience yeah. of that game. But go on, yeah. Yeah, so then obviously um, first half wasn't great, was it? It was, um, we had a couple of chances um, and then um, the, we thought we might be going into half-time nil-nil and then um, Dodd gets the ball on the on the right-hand side, puts a beautiful ball um, over through, a running through ball. So I can't really remember too many through balls no. um, for Tony's pace and for, um, for Smith's pace. So yeah, a nice through ball. And um, Tony, um, yeah, Tony, Tony rounds the keeper, knocks it past the keeper and puts it in the back of the net. And it was a pretty good goal, to be honest. Um, it was good, and, yeah. 
yeah, two of our better attacking players linking up and um, yeah, making it one all before half time. It was interesting because the ref had been a bit poor in the sort of five ten minutes before that, and actually he made he d- he played an incredibly good uh, advantage for the goal. Did you see it? One of our players got yeah, he did just before Dodds got the ball, and two of our players stopped looking for the free kick, and actually he played advantage, and we we. You know, I think that's where Tony got that little bit of space because maybe the defenders just thought it was going to stop as well. So I thought the ref did pretty well for that. I also couldn't believe their keeper came flying out as mad as he did. He was like out on the edge of the box by the time Tony went past him. So it was a bit crazy, sort of suicidal goalkeeper. But in fairness to the lad, young lad, you know, still making his way in the game, he, he took it well, kept his head. He had the pressure on him with a defender coming back and he still popped it home. So he is one of the standout players we've got at the moment, Tony, isn't he? And, you know, he's a lone player. That says a lot, doesn't it? But he's doing the business for us, really, when it comes to putting the back goal, uh, putting the ball in the back of the net. So you can't really complain. So that was fine. I mean, obviously... It was a good time for us to score. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So what was your, so yeah the first half? What was your what was your kind of takeaway from the first half? I've just I sat here this morning. Obviously, I got up early to prep for the podcast and tried to think about the first half. And between their goal and our goal, I don't really remember anything other than it just being just no. dull, uh, uninspiring, um, and there wasn't really anything to. to it was just like. They had most of the ball, didn't they? It wasn't like that game the other week where Mickey Mellon came out and said, we had most of the ball, we dictated the possession, you know, we're getting close to these teams. They were in charge of the game, as far as I could make out. They had more of the ball. Their passing game was much stronger than ours. Much stronger. And that's all I can really remember the first half, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, definitely. I was... um um, looking at the percentage possession, and obviously we had a bit more possession in the second half, but they still had um, 54% possession. Mm. And yeah, the, I think the the first half for me was summed up by, I thought the referee was quite poor, to be honest. Yep. Um, and, and I think he made a big mistake in the first few minutes of the game when um, Tony was, he's a bit like a wrestling move, he was kind of grappled, he had his hands all over him, it was clear as day that he was, the ref, their, their defender was all over him. And the referee said, no, nothing was there. And that kind of just set the tone. Mm. And I thought Swindon were pretty dirty um, and pretty, um, you know, they were using their hands a lot. Everything was hands grappling all the time. And the referee didn't cut that out in the first few minutes. And that kind of set the tone for the half. Mm. It was quite scrappy. Swindon weren't great, but I'd say Shrewsbury Town players were lacking confidence. They they seemed a bit stronger than us, didn't they? And they wanted it. Did they want it a bit more? Maybe. It's hard to say. I, I, one thing I would say about shirt pulling is Tony's bad for shirt pulling. I did notice that on Saturday a little bit. It, but I do agree with you. Swindon Wolves as, as a team. But Tony gives it as much as he, as he takes, I think. But anyway. Um, but yeah, it was. Swindon weren't great, but they their, their passing was crisper and they seemed more yeah. energetic in terms of their when they had the ball going forward whereas we would get it and just knock it around at the back at the back and then it would go into the centre mids it would be a bit further forward and then we'd sort of go down a dead dead end and then it'd go back again and it was only when we've tried to get it down the wings that we ever looked like we were sort of a bit more attacking but because they were setting because we talked about this before the wing backs didn't get forward enough it was very noticeable that we didn't really have that many chances because they we, we didn't have those outward options with the width so it was it was constrained into the middle and it was just a bit dull really yeah yeah it was a bit dull yeah so so yeah so um i guess maybe yeah kind of like second half was not <laughs> i'd say probably even got even well the first half wasn't great and i thought the second half was poor i was getting really 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 frustrated and almost to the sense now we're on on saturday night i almost had to chat to a couple of other Shrewsbury fans who are a bit more maybe I don't know. You know, you know her level head level yeah, headed. Yeah. And I was trying to get their opinion, and they were saying they're fed up as well. And yeah, I just found it found it so frustrating. So 
this is kind of my take on on our how we're playing in our formation. So I just find it really frustrating that clearly the idea is that the wing backs are going to be the width, yeah, aren't they? So we've got three central defenders and the wing backs are going to be the width. Now, because we don't keep the ball long enough, the wing backs never push up that far. And either they don't push up that far because they're worried we're going to lose the ball, then they need to leg it back. Or they don't believe that we are going to keep the ball and they know we're not going to keep it, so they don't have trust in their in their mates. Mm. Which means that we've got obviously two defensive sitting midfielders and then we've got these two very narrow number 10s playing behind Tony with Dodson O'Brien, which means we've got no width at all. No. So for the opposition, it's really easy to defend, isn't it? You just play yep. really narrow, um, you just kind of like crowd us out and then what happens obviously when we're crowded out, the players do want to try and keep the ball so they pass the ball back and the fans were going, getting, and it was kind of summarised with the last kick of the game where we yeah. had a chance to kind of just lump the ball into the box and pass the ball back, and it just triggered a huge amount of frustration from the fans. And I'm just, uh, I, I know formations and all this, and even like you know professional footballers on the TV and stuff say, oh, it's not all about formations; it's about player performance. But yeah, I, I just, I just don't get this formation. We've got no width up front. We're not stretching them at all. Tony's isolated on his own and Dodds and O'Brien apart from Dodds' pass they didn't really contribute anything to no. the game and it's just it's just I'm, it was just really really frustrating a hey, really frustrating game and you bang on on it you bang on it and it, you're not saying anything that other people aren't noticing I mean you look at the you look at the detail of how we're set up a bit more than maybe some people do you know a lot of us just go to the game watch it and think oh we're crap and go away again this is why it's quite nice we're quite different like that but you're completely right when you actually do sit down and think about the tactics and how we were set up and particularly considering how Swindon set up you know even when when we must have saw it 20 minutes into the game that that was what was happening why doesn't Mellon just, for once, go balls to the wall and just make a change and think, well, they've set up in a way that means our tactic's pretty nullified. Let's just make a change. Let's go something different. Let's take off one of the centre-backs, put on another sort of, I don't know, another striker. Because we could easily go 4-4-2 with the, with the players we've got on the pitch, couldn't we? And just front it up. But yeah. I, there we go. It it doesn't work. It, it's not There's never any time. options. No. Yeah, there's never any options. So the um, So the player on the ball... Because obviously O'Brien, um, Dodds, and Tony are all congested around where their defence midfielders sit, there's no out ball, so there's no one to pass to. So they do pass it back because they don't want to lose it. And I almost had someone behind me said, "Oh, because people fans were moaning when we passed the ball back again." And someone's the guy behind me um, said, um, "Oh, no, you know, at least we're keeping the ball." But yeah, <laughs> okay, keeping the ball occasionally is a really good thing, and I, I definitely commend that when you know when we're under pressure or we're trying to kind of change the flow of the game. But not every single attack. And there's just no, yeah. And also, one thing I did notice is that Swindon, when they were running forward, they were prepared to run into different areas. So sometimes you'd find that their their wing back was pushing inside, and then their striker or the midfielder was going to the outside. So they were changing their movements. But Shrewsbury players just seemed to run up and down in in the kind of like on tracks mm. into congestion, and we just there's just nothing there, and there's just no movement. And yeah, I'm starting to really feel that there's a lack of either the players are not following the instructions that the management team are setting. Or they are, and <laughs> I don't understand why we've got these instructions. Mm. Well, it's hard to say, isn't it? Because if you, if the first thing is true, then you you start to think, are they really playing for the manager if they're not following out on those instructions? But I mean, I, I look at the individual players in in terms of the tactics he was talking about. Then is like, I feel quite sorry for Grimmer. One week he's being asked to play the right of a of a three centre backs. The next week, next week he's being asked to play right back, and then the next week he's being asked to play right wing back. You know, and it, it must be completely hard for him to keep changing the f***ing... Oh, I shouldn't swear. I've just sworn, Ollie. I'll have to bleep that out. Um, it, it, oh. must be, it must be hard for him to sort of change his, um, 
his, his mindset every match about how defensive and how attacking he should be um, because he's, he's got to change all the time. And the, and the thing for, for Grimmer is he is more of a defensive player, isn't he? Let's be honest. He's a good defender who can play yeah. wing-back adequately, but he can't really cross. So even when we do generate that chance where he's done the overlap and we get it to him, it's 50-50 whether he's going to put a particularly good ball in the box anyway because he's not a winger that's used to playing 90 minutes every week with his raison d'etre to make sure you put a good ball into the box because like some weeks he's not going to be getting up there so and and and, the, and same for brown in some respects you know he's being asked to play the similar thing but he's not playing wing, he's playing wing back more often than not brown i suppose but and he is a winger but still he sometimes has to curtail that and and he's not putting that many crosses in and so you you, you get out of the the system of doing it i guess yeah well here's a question for you glenn can you remember a time when either wing back was in the um, final third. No, not really. What well, on Saturday? Not not much. They yeah. were very very defensive on Saturday. Totally. And it, yeah. it was a definite game that Mellon must have thought we've we've drawn the last two right, and I can't lose this game. It, he he must have known if we lost that game two nil, he probably would have got sacked. And and in this still argument for him maybe being sacked now after what's gone on, he, he did not want to lose that game on Saturday, and it was totally wrong because Swindon weren't all that good. They were good passing, but a good town performance would have won that game. And there were points where we probably still could have won it, weren't there? But, yeah, it was just yep. too negative. Too negative. Yeah, Swindon's away form is not great. They've drawn two and won one, lost yep. two. So, you know, they're not a team that's on the upper and I think they're not a great side. And, no, it was just frustrating. And if we are playing on to these two number tens and the idea is to get the ball to them, then we need to get to the ball to them. It's just, yeah, it's um, it's very, very frustrating. And I think kind of that, that meant that we you know, didn't create very many chances. Um, we created a few. Obviously, with Leach Smith... The one time that Grimmer did get forward was he put a super ball into the box for Luke yeah. Smith. But yeah. um, unfortunately, it was one of those. He had to react really fast. Mm. I mean, he didn't really have any time just to try and get a connect on it. And I don't even know. Did he even hit his knee or something? Because he seemed to be going down um, just to try and get to it. Yeah. But, um, yeah he, you know, he was unlucky just not to score. Then he went straight to the keeper. Yeah. And Grimmer, I'm not saying Grimmer can't cross. I like Grimmer. We think he's probably one of the podcasters' favourites, isn't he? But um, it's just, it's not consistent with Grimmer's crossing and I could probably say the same thing about Brown to be fair but then this is League One level we're not expecting you know David Beckham yeah, exactly. crosses into the box every week but you know you, you're never going to get it from someone who's traditionally a right back or a, or a narrow sort of right centre back so I, he, he tries hard and, and he can do it occasionally so I don't want to be too negative on Grimmer because I think he's one of the better players we've got no. so yeah that, there we go Um, so what were we saying yeah so have we talked about um, yeah the, have we talked about the red card yet no, we haven't. No, we haven't. No, <laughs> so yeah, so so yeah, p- poor number of chances, players lacking confidence, um, kind of yeah, just kind of repeating some of the comments, haven't we? That um, all the um, the three word match reports, mm. and yeah, and um, yeah, uh, another red. So yeah, if you want to talk about um, what happened with Deegan, and I can kind of share with you, um, I've found the um, disciplinary league table. Oh, brilliant! So I'll share that with you. Oh, this is this is gonna be a good stat. I can tell, coming here, Ollie. Um, well, for <laughs> me, I I it was a it was definitely yellow for the, I mean he got a silly yellow in, for earlier in the game didn't he and then obviously the second yellow he sort of to, for me he jumped in and it was almost ch- jumping in two footed um, and he, I don't think he really caught the player looking at the looking at the um, highlights but it looked nasty and it was definitely a yellow card for intent so for me it was there was nothing we could really complain about with that you know it, it, I, I wouldn't even have been surprised if he got straight red for it in some respect because it did look a bit Tasty. Yeah, it was it was a bit meaty, wasn't it? It mm. was tackle from behind. Um, the player did go dive down, and he yeah. kind of did um, like he was sneaking a look to see whether the referee was going to take any action. <laughs> T- talking of Swindon diving, did you see in the first half or was it second half? I can't remember when there was one and when they were running towards goal, and Lutwiler came out to claim the ball, and he he just fully dived when no one was anywhere near him, and he yeah. like proper dived. <laughs> I'm and not he, sure who awful. his name was yet. Yeah. 
yeah, it was number four for them, um, for, yeah, Thomas for them. And, yeah, he was a big lad. <laughs> and um, mm. he was the one that was grappling all the time and, yeah, f- consistent. I can't understand how he didn't get booked for consistent fouling. Um, but, yeah, it, um, I remember seeing that. And he, I think it was Dodds, wasn't it, who kind yeah. of just kind of, like, gave him a little like, bit of a shot in the back, nothing <laughs> untoward. Go on, then, give us your stat, your, your disciplinary stat. Yeah, so I, I searched, just searched online just to try and find the, um, just the um, disciplinary um, and... Yeah, unfortunately, we're top. Oh, brilliant. So we're top of the um, disciplinary record. And um, f- surprisingly, because actually, you know, when we're watching the games, and I didn't think we were that dirty a side, and I don't think we're, like, dirty in the sense that we are malicious. Obviously, black sometimes put, leaves the boot in, but we're not yeah, a dirty, you? dirty yeah. side. But then I remember at Berry and a few other games, opposition fans are getting quite angry with us. And, yeah, we've had 20, um, 27 yellows um, and three Jeez. red cards. Now Swindon, who you did, would say did seem a bit of a dirty side, they got they got twenty two yellows and they got three um, reds as well. So yeah, we are the um, the worst team in the league for disciplinary. Wow, that's interesting because I, Danny asked him a question about that after the match last night and in the pre match interview, and he was saying, oh another red card now. What do you feel about your um, disciplinary record? And he got a bit spiky again. He was like, well, that's a, this yeah, is a bit of a did. stupid. It's a bit of a stupid question because I'm obviously not happy about it, but. I, it, Mellon doesn't believe we're a dirty team but for, for me there's, there's one reason for it probably is that if you're going to play five at the back and you're going to sit and look to counter teams right more often than not you're going to be the team under pressure and you're going to be making lots of tackles in a game because you've got players running at you all the time that's what it is most of our bookings are for like counter attacks where we've got to stop them um, or you know a couple yeah. of them have been nasty tackles but I'm not even surprised we're top of that maybe the red cards is a bit strange but a lot of them have been two yellows haven't they um but I'm not surprised because we're probably making more tackles per game than any other team in the league just because we're so negative and we're failing to impose our game on other people. We're not. How many times do we have players running at a defender to, to cause them to foul us? I know it happened a couple of times. Obviously, they had a, they had a red card, didn't they, the other week against us? But I, I bet if you look at fouls against us, I bet it's pretty low. We'll have to check that out. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, definitely, I definitely agree with what you're saying there. Um, we are often on the back foot. Mm-hmm. So we conceded 19 fouls, just winning 17 in that game. And we are on the back foot. We're not keeping the ball. Um, and, yeah, we're having to defend and often defend kind of last gaps. Defending. And, yeah, it's, I think Tony was a bit unlucky, wasn't he, to, um, I hear, to get that red card. Oh, Wimbledon, um, yeah. Yeah it's, um, yeah, it's kind of, well, it's just a kind of, um, it's a um, an outcome, isn't it, of our poor form and yeah. the fact that we are um, now... Um, third from bottom in League One again clearly going to have a relegation fight on our hands all season mm. um, second year in a row one point off bottom now aren't we because Coventry won uh, so that brought them back up into yeah. us I think there's, there's us and then there's two teams below us Oldham are bottom now aren't they which says something yeah, considering Oldham, they're one Oldham of the teams we've been <laughs> yeah it doesn't say a lot um, yeah so Oldham have nine Coventry nine Shrewsbury ten Southend twelve Swindon twelve Millwall mm. twelve, Charlton surprisingly, and I was—they've got twelve points as well. So um, yeah, it's um, and the teams that came up. So you mentioned that earlier on. So yeah, the teams that came up are doing pretty well. And Oxford, I got a friend of mine um, is an Oxford fan. Oxford are tenth. Mm. So yeah, the teams that have come up are doing well. Um, which, yeah, does question the quality of the team, and it's just not good enough, is it, Glenn? I think that's no. where we're coming to. We're fed um, up. The fans are fed up. I think you're right. It, it, it going, I mean, we'll finish off this game and do our top three in a minute. But it, it, another thing that came up from the sort of round table chat I had with sort of 10 Shrewsbury Town fans last night was, and, and some of the people at the game, is that we're, we're sort of fed up of the football, but we're also fed up of Mickey and the football club trying to tell us we're a small club in League One. You know, you shouldn't expect all too much. You don't, don't expect us to be doing this. But look at the top of League One and look who's there. Berry, Scunthorpe, 
you know, Chesterfield are doing right, Oxford, you know, all the teams at the top of League One this season so far, apart from Bolton who are sort of up there, they're not teams that are bigger than Shrewsbury Town, they're not teams with vast resources, so why should we not expect better than another relegation battle? Like, I can't understand that, it, and even people saying, oh, we should just have been happy this season to stay up again, bloody 11 games into the season... There are teams with smaller budgets than us and smaller teams like that are doing much better, and it's just it it, it crystallises how bad we've been in some respects because we, there's no way that we shouldn't be aiming to do what Barry and Scunthorpe are doing at the start of this season, but we aren't, and it and we don't seem like we have a a, a plan by the manager or as a football club to be doing that at some point in the next five years. It's just firefighting the whole time. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Obviously, there was that famous comment from the club last year about our budget. Um, and I- you know, I imagine we've got a fairly decent budget, and you just look at the league. You know, um, you know. I remember when we last time we played Oxford, we we smashed them on Boxing mm. Day. It was easy. Mm. It was an easy win. Bury, Bury are a similar kind of size, but they definitely don't have the infrastructure that we have, and they they don't have a, a non-day match income. Then you look yeah. at Northampton, who are a bit of a mess. Um, Fleetwood, Wimbledon. Um, Sh- um, Chesterfield. That's what I mean, know, yeah. There's a lot of teams. Yeah, a lot of teams in this league, and we shouldn't be uh, putting ourselves down. We should have some, some fire and a bit of ambition. But yeah, I'm just really tired of. That's why I didn't go to Wimbledon. To be honest, I was just like, I'm not wasting. It's not about money. It's it's about time, and I'm not wasting my time going all the way to London to go and see another um, drab performance. And mm. yeah, it wasn't good. No, I don't blame you. I don't blame you, Ollie. Um. And the other thing that I get annoyed about a little bit is that it's people saying, well, all right, we're, we're second bottom. But if we'd have won one of these last few games, you know, that were 1-1, we would be, you know, 15th or we'd be 12th. But we're not. And in honest, in all honesty, we could easily have lost all three of those games we drawn 1-1. We could have done, couldn't we, really? There was there was chances in the last two home games, I know you went to Peterborough, where we could even have lost to 10 men and we could easily have lost yesterday, you know. And, you know, it, it's not it's not cut and dry that that we could have just nicked one of these games and everything will be fine. It, it, even if we win a game, I still feel like it's papering over the cracks a little bit at the moment and that it might put us up the table a little bit. But, you know, it's just a sticking plaster to a problem that's going to come every other game this season. So confidence is a good thing in football. You know, a win would do them the world of good and the confidence might start to breed a long-term survival plan here. But th- there ain't nothing to tell me that we're not in a relegation battle and that me personally I, I, there's no one out there at the moment can tell me that keeping Mickey Mannon is going to get us out of trouble I'm more inclined to believe that a change will, will get us out of trouble that's my view and not everyone thinks that yeah that's one thing I wanted to kind of comment on so I guess well, just before I kind of comment on that I just want to make well, yeah just like two comments well, one firstly is Mickey Mellon's comment in post-match and he said we know that um, where we are and everybody here with half a brain to know that we need to get better with the football and we need to um, do a lot of more bit more of a threat when we get it and keep it up there so mm. Mickey Mellon's clearly he's not trying to pull the wool out of anyone's eyes this week he's been pretty honest but when does when does being unlucky and when does nearly winning a game so yeah Coventry we nearly won um, at home against a comma who we lost 3-2 to now um, at home and we threw it away how yeah like you say how many how many games does it need to be where being unlucky just becomes not good enough mm. and yeah we are so far into the league now that we can't keep saying we're unlucky because if we keep saying we're unlucky um, we're going to look at the league table at the end of the year and say you were unlucky this year and we've gone down no, the league table doesn't lie, and mm. the league table's um, no. fair, isn't it? You know, you get what you get, what you deserve. Leicester last year won the league because they deserved it. They weren't lucky; they won the bloody league. Mm. No, lucky teams don't get relegated. Bad teams get relegated. 
<laughs> you know, you're yeah. not unlu- by the time you've been relegated, you're a bad team. You're not an unlucky team. And and you know, we can go back to the whole the funny comment of Mickey Mantle continually using the phrase small margins or little margins or whatever margins. You know, that that goes both ways. You can't say, well, it's fine margins, we almost won that game, because you can equally say, it's fine margins, we almost lost that game. So, you know, it's all well and good saying that one way or the other, but it, it's not. Are, are we closer to playing, are we closer, are we playing better than we were at this point last season? I, I don't even know. I mean, we were pretty bad last season, but we have got less points now than we did at this point last season, haven't we now? We've, we're not doing as well. So it's like, well, are we even that good? Are we even? Have we even made that progress that Mellon tells us we made? You can tell us we're closer to teams when we're playing them, but as a fan, you can't really say that, can you? Yeah, I have to have a look. I have to have a look at the um, how the form went last year. I can't remember, and obviously, doing this podcast, we are tracking things a lot closer yeah. than we did last year. We were two um, points down as of the game before Swindon, so I, I would imagine we're at least one point down if we if we'd lost the game, the equal game last season. So I think we are definitely behind the, the sort of. I mean, I'm not going to say 100%, but it's like 99% that we've we've got less points now than we did last season. Yeah, it's um the w- winter is coming and <laughs> it's getting dark and um yeah, it's not good. I I just remember the really really bad patch and when we, everyone thought Mickey Menelson lose his job around Christmas in the Chesterfield game, which mm. was kind of like a a peak a peak of everyone's kind of despair. And yeah, I think I I, I guess we'll just move on to kind of like Mickey Menon again. We said in the last pod um, that we're both kind of we've kind of come to the end of our tether now, and yeah. we're just kind of fed up. I mean, I guess one thing that um, someone did mention to me, and it's a really good point, that would changing the manager help? And I guess this is a question to you, Glenn. So would changing the manager help? And obviously, change the manager is a risk. Um, and you, but do you think that's a risk worth taking? Uh, yeah, I do. I I just can't. I just don't. It's it's there's no, you know when you when you come to a decision about the manager it, like we we you know we all have as fans and some people still would like to keep him because they think he's a nice guy and he tries hard and I don't doubt any of that but I don't think there are many football managers in the country that are ni- nice guys that don't work hard it's their job do you know what I mean I doubt there are many managers that yep. just turn up to work and half ass it they will probably all be working hard and coming in at six and leaving at six or later and then watching games so all football managers work hard and you know a lot of football managers I've met or seen down the years at Chiefs Town are all so quite nice people I, I can't really use that as any reason to keep the man at the football club when we're consistently underperforming would a change of manager help I, I can't see that it wouldn't make I can't see that it would make things different unless we were to put someone do something stupid like give it to Mike Jackson I don't think that would be a positive yeah. I think there are plenty of managers out there and, and football clubs are starting to you know, pull the pull the trigger on managers at the moment aren't they like Lake Norris at the manager um, a few other managers have gone haven't they already Coventry you know he's gone now, hasn't he? Old Mowbray from Coventry. So there, are, there are managers out there now. I'll ask you. I'll come back to that question. Do you think that M- Mowbray would do a better job here than Mickey Mellon's currently doing, considering his pedigree and and the constraints he was working out under Coventry, which were not ideal, were they? Shrewsbury Town is a, a model football club compared to Coventry. He's obviously a talented manager that's done things in his career. Would you swap him for Mellon now? Uh, Mowbray, not sure. I remember my, my dad's a Baggies fan and he's quite confrontational with the fans, which I don't really like. <laughs> Brilliant. But I kind of like, yeah, I kind of, I, I don't think he personally would be the right man, but I kind of get what you're getting. I think a new manager would wipe the state clean with the fans mm, as well. Definitely. So I think that that's Mickey Mellon and Jackson, if they're both to go, have to go as a pair, would kind of um, sw- um, um, kind of clean the slate. Mm. 
and also um, I think also would utilize the players more because I'm yeah a bit of pulling my hair out with other tactics and stuff but and I guess it, interesting I was just thinking you know there's, there's different managers and Mickey Menon is a nice guy and most of the time in like his his um, pre-match um, big interview on the Shrews player was really good and he was kind of giving some a bit of insight into football and that was quite interesting good to see and clean knows his stuff but at the moment would you would you take someone like Evans you know, someone who's a bit of a rock filer, mm. but would you take Evans and win some games and play some decent football and kind of know you have to kind of accept that side of him? Mm. Just, just kind of like an interesting point, isn't it? Does he play good football, Evans? I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. No, he doesn't. No. no. You want you want someone that's going to entertain, you know, want someone that could turn this team into a, a an attacking-minded force rather than a defensive-minded force. And, and do you know what? I'd actually take... I wouldn't take getting relegated, but I'd take losing more if we actually just had some attacking verve to the team and something to get excited about. It's this the dullness that, that is the problem. And, and going back to your initial question, Mickey Mellon's almost like answered the question himself because he's come out in interviews recently and said the negativity is starting to affect the players, right? He said that, didn't he, in, in the press recently? So yeah, he did, yeah. W- what's the only way we're going to stop this negativity from happening? Mickey Mellon suddenly picks things up and we win three games in a row and then it will slightly go away for a while until we lose again, right? It, won't, it will never go away until we were either mid-table or upper mid-table. So that's one solution, which seems unlikely. The other solution is um, we change the manager because that negativity melts away straight away. You get a new guy in, as long as it's someone that fans can get behind and believe in, which shouldn't be too difficult to find with some of the candidates out there, that negativity towards the manager will go away straight away and you will get 10, 20 games probably till the middle of next year where people will start to believe and will want to get behind this new team and will see the new manager try and build something. So it will take away the pressure off the players. So even in that respect, Mellon's almost answering the question, isn't he? He's like, we need to get rid of the negativity. What's the easiest way to get rid of the negativity? It's to change the manager. So, yeah, even even he recognises that there's a problem there. Obviously, he's not talking himself out of a job, but for me, that would be the easiest way of doing it. And and that's why I want to change, because I just don't see it. I, think, I just don't see the negativity going away. Yeah, no, I think you summed it up well there. That's, yeah. Um, that's where we are at the moment. Mm. That's, mm. That was a good summary then. Anyway, so booze at the end of the game again. Let's finish off this winning game. We got booed <laughs> off. It was it was more. Uh, yeah, because he passed the ball back. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> Everyone just because obviously you were in the. So obviously this was the West Stand. So um, obviously people leaving early again, like they do where we sit, because they want to get the tube or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's obviously really busy in shoes, isn't it? And all they're just really fed up. So they think that's just. I've come to the conclusion. I think they're going. They're going early, saying so go to Sainsbury's and go to the chicken counter and get the cheap ones that have been reduced before everybody else. <laughs> so yeah. So so everyone was just like get the ball in the box, you know, last minute of the game. And then they pass it back and everyone just went mental. <laughs> everyone went. And it's funny where we sit. It's not like we're not with, um, we don't sit with block 19. We're stuck in block 17 and mm. we are kind of the younger ones in that area. And everyone was furious. So yeah, that was a, a funny way to kind of end the game. It was a bit weird, wasn't it, to be fair? And and a couple of things I would just note from having not sat with you this week was that there was a, a group of people behind me who were about as negative a set of fans as I've known in the entire ground. Way negative than people around us, Ollie. And they were on Elab's back about passing the ball back from, from sort of the 10th minute in. And every time Elab got the ball, about three or four of them would shout get it back to the keeper get it back to the keeper and then every time he did they just gave like massive ironic cheers this isn't even very far away from the press box which is quite interesting about it <laughs> but there we go yeah no yes interesting that you sat on a different side of the ground so yeah it was interesting so like, actually another thing because um, obviously one of the um, advantages of being on the other side is obviously you're near, you are near the managers so yeah anything you can kind of share with the fans um, yeah I was going to come on sit in the west end yeah, yeah. he's, he's... 
It was quite interesting. I don't know whether this is a reflection of him as a manager all the time or just because of the situation we're in, but he was really animated on Saturday. Like, he, he, he sort of lived every moment of it. And also, he was doing, like, quite theatrical um, sort of reactions to things going on on the pitch. So there was a time when Tony went down injured. Um, by the way, Tony, whenever he gets injured, he looks like he's broke his leg every time, doesn't he? He's always <laughs> yeah, he does. And there's never anything wrong with him. Anyway, but every time sort of Tony went down injured or something, he would, like, turn around and be giving it a, like, oh, oh, it's just, why why is this happening to me now sort of thing? And it was quite, it was quite interesting now sort of uh, theatrical was the word I would choose to use um, but he stood out in the technical area on the edge of the technical area the whole time and him and Mickey um, him and uh, Mike Jackson uh, this is one of the other things I thought was even though we've got this tactic we're playing that we've just discussed about how we don't think it works he's constantly pointing at players telling them to move like giving it a little sort of move short come here do that <clears throat> he con- was constantly telling the players what to do right the Swindon manager just sat there with his hands in his pockets watched the game studied it, made his substitutions, sort of knew that his tactic was happening. I suppose he was probably had a team that were playing slightly better, so he wasn't as concerned. But the difference between their manager and our manager was so noticeable. Mellon was constantly tinkering with the team and getting them to move in different positions. And every goal kick, he was getting players to move forward five yards or back five yards. And the swinger manager was fine. He obviously was content the players were doing as they were told. And I, th- I found that quite interesting, that maybe, and this is just me summarising, that maybe they're not doing exactly what they're asked. Not to the to the level that Mellon wants them to, and so he's having to sort of manage on the fly and get them in those specific positions because they're just not doing it. I don't know, but that's what it looked like to me. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I I was kind of keeping an eye from the West Ham, so you can't see as close. But yeah, he, he did have quite an animated um, display and mm. just yeah signs of frustration. But um, yeah, I think yeah it was um, again so kind of summarising three games, three draws, no wins, and our. Poor home form continues. Yeah. So, what about that game? What who did you give your top three to at Swindon? Let's just cover that off. Yeah. So, um, I gave it to where is my where is it? I gave it to um, Tony first. Yep. He was good. Grimmer second because I don't know who else to put, and then third Dodds. So Tony definitely deserves to be there, and Grimmer and Dodds are kind of there because I couldn't really think of anyone else. <laughs> Yourself. Yeah, I completely agree. I had, uh, you, you can see it. we've got like a little agenda that we can both see. I've got first Tony, second Grimmer, third question mark. I want to give third to the helicopter pilot that flew the helicopter into the ground <laughs> before the start of the match, but um, I don't think I'm allowed to do that, am I, Ollie? So uh, no, I don't know. Who, who's third? I, I, I'll probably give it a look while Lenny the Lion, maybe? Maybe, yeah. He did throw me kids some sweets, so that was a bonus. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll probably go with the same as you, actually. I think that's a fair enough thing to say, so we'll, we'll go with the same for the yeah, first Yeah, Dodd's made an assist. Yeah, yeah cool. Okay. Right times. So there we go. We need to win. Where are we going next, Ollie? <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 not good, is it? So um yeah, I think um yeah, we shared our thoughts there and yeah, let's move into um into salad news. Sloppy clearance, ball bouncing around to So, salad news. We're, we're just going to, before we go into the actual news that was sort of floating around the club this week, there wasn't too much of it, and um, we just thought we would cover up the next few fixtures, because obviously we've just had a big discussion about Mellon and, and where we're going and what's going to happen, and actually when you start to look at wh- where we're going in the next few weeks in terms of the actual games we've got, we're actually three away games on the spin, which could be seen as a positive, Ollie, couldn't it, considering our home form, I suppose? It, they're not easy games, but, you know, at least the, the sort of pressure for the fans might come off a little bit. Yeah, no, so we've got, um, yeah, a tough, a, tough few, a tough few games. So, obviously, Bradford, um, so obviously got the game in um, on Tuesday. Um, it's against Fleetwood. Oh, well, what we're talking about, no, sorry, Scunthorpe away, isn't it, on Tuesday? Which oh, Scunthorpe is the, away, yeah. sorry, I got it the wrong way around. In the EFL trophy. Yeah, do, you want, do you want me to tell you something yeah, interesting so that's happened, Ollie? I've been given a free ticket to the Middlesbrough versus um, Shrewsbury away game in the EFL trophy. 
and I'm working in Kendall at the moment, which is sort of up north, so it's only an hour from Middlesbrough. So, and it's on a Tuesday when I'm in Kendall, right? And I don't do anything when I'm in Kendall. I'm away from home, so I could technically go to that game. But is it is it hypocritical of me to go to that game, considering my stance on, <laughs> on the EFL Trophy, even though it's good for the podcast? Yeah, it is. It is completely hypocritical, isn't it? So <laughs> now you've said that, but I think I'm, you have to do it though. I think I, I think, I think it is hypocritical. Mm. Yeah, sorry, we're talking we over each other. We, there. No, no, it's fine. I think I, I, I have to put some serious thought into it because you know, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to, because it's free. So I'm not putting any money into the FL Trophy, and you know, it's away at Middlesbrough where, let's be honest, there'll probably be like 20 Shrewsbury fans there, so it might be quite an interesting experience. So I, I think I might just take the hypocritical tag and go for the podcast to cover it, and, and at least it'll be an interesting thing for the podcast. But yeah, I did think that was quite interesting that I've got a free ticket for that. But there we go. Anyway, is go it on, a free Ollie. ticket or if, is it or is it a porn sandwich brigade? No, no, it's. Uh, I know someone who's a Middlesbrough fan who's got me. A t- who, who didn't want? Who ah, got, okay. Uh, yeah, who's going to get me a ticket basically? So there we go. Anyway, but go on. Let's, ah, let's okay. by the side. Yeah. So um, yeah. So the fixtures were yeah. Scunthorpe is um, away in the EFL, um, and then obviously uh, we got Bradford away in the league. It's tough. Yeah. Who are second in the league, um, and then we've got um, Warsaw away, um, which I'll definitely go to that one. I think. Yeah, That's me too. A million miles away from me, but yeah, Warsaw the 16th from Bradford are um, second in the league, and Warsaw obviously um, are doing quite well. You know, beat Millwall on the weekend, and so it's both of them are going to be very tough games. Yeah, and obviously we're going to have to cry because we're going to have to watch NKP play for Bradford, aren't we? And just remember how good yeah. <laughs> the defender he was and <laughs> what we're having to deal with at the moment. So yeah, it would be a real sort of return to Shrewsbury for him, well, return to see his old teammates, I guess. But um, yeah, that's a tough run. That's a really tough run. I c- Bradford's probably the harder of the two, as you say. Um, but I could see us losing both those games. Would he still be here by the time we play Sheffield United if we lose both those games? Do you reckon? Well, we kind of nailed our, mass, um, our kind of position. Well, that's what mass. we think. That's not what will happen. Yeah, and that's a thing. Yeah, that's a different thing. So obviously, Mickey Mann didn't get sat last year when everyone thought he would do after the debacle, mm. um, some of the games that we had. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think we're, na- we're now up to 11 games in, so we've kind of gone over the magic 10-game mark. If we, l- if we don't get anything out of those two games, or if we get really smashed, yeah, I think... Oh, I don't know. I think maybe Sheffield United could be the final decider mm. at the home game. Yeah, and they're doing well. Is as it well, harsh to sack a manager after poor away games? I don't know. I don't know. Sheffield United is a hard game, and then Northampton's home after that, isn't it? So it's not like we're, we're only of the sort of. God, if the next four games we're playing, three of them are in the top six. Yeah, that's not great, is it? It's top five, no. actually. So good luck with that, Tone. <laughs> Have fun. Anyway, so <laughs> that's that's what we've got coming up, so we'll keep an eye on that. As I say, we're probably not going to go to the, none of us going to go to the Scunthorpe game, and it's my birthday next week, so I might not be able to uh, go to the Bradford game either, so we might be um, we might just be talking from the sort of distance on those two games, but we'll cover those games next week anyway, so that's Yeah, fine. we can maybe ask someone again to um, cover the Bradford game for us. Yes, that's a great idea, yeah. Um so that's that. In terms of news, obviously we had another update from Brian um, on the, the Brian, the CEO, on the sort of progress of certain things. And as anyone who went to the game yesterday will notice, there's a whole load of I'm going to call them porter cabins, but they're modular buildings apparently um, outside the back of the West End, which are our new training ground buildings. What did you see? What Brian said about that, and what did you think of the, the sort of bits that are hanging around at the back? Yeah, no, I, I did see the um, the bit. They looked a bit tatty, but I'm sure it'll be fine when they put it all up. <laughs> I think it's good to have we finally have a training ground. Um, I think that is definitely going to be a, a positive, having one base, not being nomads going around. I think it will att- help attract. I remember reading um, Ben. Ben Smith's book, yeah, Ben Smith, who yeah. did the, the, that book, and he was talking about training grounds and how important they are. So yeah, I think having a training ground is a good one. So that's 
that's positive. Um, yeah. And I guess something that's quite close to your heart, Glenn, obviously Brian um, was talking about the one game solution and mm. that he's totally against that. So, um, yeah, it was an interesting interview. Yeah, I, I would I would say to people, I mean, it's only on YouTube, so it's free to look at Brian's updates and when they put them on YouTube are really worth listening to. If, if you know, we're all Shooter Town fans, but if you want to know about the sort of things off the pitch that are going on, and, and he, he gives a really good update, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, and, and I'm quite happy with our football club's stance on the one game solution. And it's, it's obviously had a few things we talked about the other week change now. So some of the more stupid ideas to do with what what sort of teams can come into the league um, has just been sort of whittled down to sort of the National League now, hasn't it? So I'm a bit more happy about what the EFL are doing in terms of that. And there's still some strange ideas there, but um, I, I think Shuvatown are definitely, and we'll, we'll come more some positive there, Shuvatown are definitely on the side of fans when it comes to the changes to the Football League and the things that we would want to see. So credit to Brian and the Football Club for, the, for their stance on that. Um, and then the last thing he updated us on was quite an interesting one because he was talking about modular buildings and... Um, obviously we've got these ones for the training ground now we use the same for the community hub and he was still saying that the company that are providing these are actually looking at buildings the right shape and size for a supporters bar which is probably the thing that's still lacking the most on a match day experience thing for most football fans who, who for especially the guys that you know want to go and have a drink and uh, so socialize and could be a hub for the fans to sort of congregate in so i found that quite interesting because i think some people just thought it's been kicked into the long grass but brian is aware of it being an issue and as long as it washes its face it's still something that's on the table so yeah that would be good to see if anything progresses from that the modular buildings are interesting though they're obviously buildings that were used at a school because I, I don't know if you saw we were walking out yesterday and someone put a picture on facebook is there was a, a someone had put a notice board in one of them and it was like loads of kids sort of like writing in like little blurbs little sort of you know speech bubbles and everyone was like well we're going to go and have a look because it could have been one of mickey Mellon's training uh <laughs> training boards with his, <laughs> new t- with his new tactics on so when they put them all together and it comes into one training ground i'm sure it'll be fine but it'll be interesting to see where it, where it comes together so yeah i would check out those videos when they put them on youtube i think it's a good thing that football club do there yeah no it's good to have that um, um, connection with the fans and yeah brian's good he seems prim seems pretty um i've never met him um but he seems pretty um pretty Seems like a pretty good chap. He does. Uh, I, and I, sh- I should. I should be. I should level because, um, like, I, obviously, with the stuff I do with the sports Palm, I met Brian a lot of times, and I, I think he's a cracking bloke and is, is doing a really good job. And as I already, you know, I said a long time ago, he'd identified a lot of the problems we had straight away, and he's been trying his best to, to sort of work at them. Like, even in the video, he talked about the ticketing problems we've got, and that's a real thing that he's focused on, and he knows we're we're left with the system we've got, but. Um, you know that is what it is, and he's really pushing Ticketmaster all the time to fix the problems that they've got with print at home and other various things. So, I do think that in terms of the the role that he's doing at the club, he's doing fantastic. But the reason I say that is obviously yeah. I, I obviously got to know Matt Williams last last couple of years when we were sort of working with him, and um, he's invited us up to Burnley today this afternoon, which is why we're recording it in the morning, is Ollie, because Burnley are playing Arsenal at home today. And Matt's invited us up, he's got some free tickets, and he's invited us to go and look at some of the things that Burnley do for their fans on a match day, in terms of sort of places for them to congregate, the sorts of activities that are going on, um, some entertainment type things, and some other things that we don't know about that he wanted to show us, which is really good. To, to be fair to Matt, he's moved on, but I would say now he's got a lot of time for Shrewsbury Town Football Club still, and he, he he really enjoyed working with us as a fan base, and he wants he wanted Shrewsbury Town to succeed. You know, he didn't get everything right. I'm not sure that there's anyone that ever does this job that gets everything right, but um, yeah, fair play to him for inviting himself out. So I'm actually going to go and watch a good game of football this weekend, hopefully, Ollie, instead of watching Town <laughs> Town struggle. I might go and see a good game of Premiership football. But yeah, it's it's good. We've had, I think we've had two reasonably good people, you know, in some respects, in the role the last two times, and that has enabled us to progress some things. So. You know, a football club does rely on its CEOs, and and Brian's also excellent at the job. So yeah, that is a positive. 
Yeah, that is good. That is good. Mm. So it's interesting to hear, get your feedback on that and what yeah, what maybe the uh, yeah. supporters partner can do to try and improve the match day experience. So no, I, won't get, good. I won't get to see Andre Gray though because he's still suspended. <laughs> yeah. <Ex-shooting down. laughs> so is. there we go. Never mind. Still, Willie Norton showed that Shrewsbury at least know how to shoot from the 12-yard spot. Okay, so I guess really just kind of brings us on to the last section then, doesn't it? The um, our score predictions. Yep. You got it right, Ollie, last week. First time either of us I have did. got a fixture score right, innit? Yeah, I know. I was chuffed. I couldn't remember what I said. Um, so I was, yeah, um, yesterday I was just checking back. And yeah, I've taken a, um, a f- um, it's now four, um, 6 4 to myself with a two <laughs> point lead because obviously got the, the score and the result correct. So a bit of pressure on you there Des- this week, Lynn. Decisive, that is, Ollie. Yeah, I don't think, I can't remember what I said. Oh, yeah, just to lose, didn't I? I remember that, yeah. Um, so did, we're going to yeah. do Bradford away predictions for this final bit then. So. Yep. What are you going for, Ollie? You can start then because you're in the lead. Yeah, I'm going to go for 2 0 defeat. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. I was going to go for a 2 two ish defeat as well. I'll go for us to lose. I, I honestly have to say. You can go for the same if you honestly no, think, no, I, if you I, think it's 2 0. I think it's going to be worse, Ollie. I think we'll lose. <laughs> okay. I think we'll probably lose 3 1. We might nick a goal, but three I think one. we might get. Okay. It, it, yeah. Oh dear, that's negative, isn't it? <laughs> like, it's we, it's we, where we are, isn't it? I, I I would like to say something on the negativity of this podcast recently, but when we started this, like I mean, Ollie, when we first started this, I've I've always been quite a, a reactionary fellow to things. Like when it's good, I I go proper excited about things, and when it's bad, I get particularly down about it. But Ollie, you've always been quite quite level, haven't you? In terms of you, you know, yeah. you're, you're sort of more reasoned, I suppose, because you quite like to view football as a sort of you know a, a tactical piece and all that sort of thing and that's why it worked quite well with us doing a podcast but like because you've gone early Ollie on the negativity it's made us seem quite negative and I don't think that's really fair because I do honestly feel like and I think it's worth saying this that we go to you know most games we sit in with the fans and our, our po- this podcast is a fair reflection of how fans are feeling now not all fans we're never going to say that we've said that before but it, it is fair to be as as critical and as negative about things as we've been and I don't think that's a, a criticism of us just because you know we're, we're being negative is, is a is a, is not a positive it, not a positive it's, it's it, it is fair I think and I, it, that's the way it is at the moment and maybe you know people who don't go so often are maybe listening to this and sort of thinking is it really that bad or are all these sort of things like that but that you know that is the vibe at the moment and if, if it gets good and we get a new manager maybe down the line and it gets exciting it will definitely won't be negative all the time so <laughs> we, we won't keep predicting us to lose away from I home. think our podcast will be very short yeah sorry yeah that's what I was kind of thinking that I would be negative or we're being fair and I think we are being fair you know we we also take a bit of time don't we to kind mm. of prepare the podcast and share our thoughts and our highlights and there's nothing positive to talk about so yeah I think if um if it comes you know December time um and we Mickey Madden's doing a good job or we have a new manager I don't think our podcasts will be as no. long as they are <laughs> but um yeah I think our podcast length reflects the um how much there is to talk about and as football fans, you don't normally say too much when everything's going because it's, it's all fantastic. You're just saying how great everything is. But when there's things going wrong, there's a lot no, more I'd, to I'd love to, I'd love to talk positively about players and how amazing they are and how brilliantly they're doing. And, and you know, But it, we can't really do that at the moment. So anyway, there we go. <laughs> I've said my piece on it. We're, we're, trying to, we're trying to be positive. But there we go. We've predicted us to get webbed away at Bradford. So <laughs> that's the end of that. So uh, I think we'll close off the podcast now, Ollie, because we've done another hour of a, of a class now. But we've been away for two weeks. We had a lot to cover, didn't we? But... Um, what, uh, what else have we got yep. to say? What, do you want to just tell people about the, the sort of... Um, uh, we've now set up a uh, Skype account for fans to phone in um, and, and fans of us or fans of fans of the football club to phone in with questions and just your comments and thoughts on the town, really, sort of as audio on Skype. So it's... Um, uh, the, the email account is... I'm just looking up now. I haven't got it written down, Ollie. Uh, it's, um, yeah, it's Salopcast 
1886 yep. at Gmail. So it's simply, if, you, if you're familiar with Skype, you basically just add that address into your contacts, give it a call as if you're giving you a Skype call, and it will automatically go to voicemail. And yeah, please do, um, please do um, leave your comments. We will use it. Um, so we just, yeah, we want to get other people's views on. We want to try and get some other people in the pod, don't we? Glenn? Yeah, but we should say really. We, we keep I'm saying we're going to do that, but unfortunately, it doesn't. We've tried a couple of methods to get it working, and it doesn't work unless we can buy a standalone microphone. And unfortunately, my, neither me or Ollie make any money yeah. on this podcast. As much as <laughs> it'd be good if we did, and we're already in the hole for like forty quid for SoundCloud fees and stuff. But um, but until we buy a new microphone, we can't really have people record with us because it's it's just tricky. I know it's technical details, but we are. I'm, I've been looking yeah. on Amazon, and, and I'm on Amazon Prime now, Ollie. So if one of them comes up in a flash sale before Christmas, <laughs> then we're quids in. I'll get one then. But um, I'm not going to pay forty five quid for one at the moment. <laughs> I'm tight. Yeah, so no, that's fair enough. But this yeah, is so another way of doing it, isn't so it? So yeah. So every, if you want to comment. Yeah, so please give leave your voicemails. We've put that on Twitter um, and on Facebook. And um, yeah, please please share to contribute. If you've got any thoughts or questions or anything you want to um, share, yeah, please send us a message um, to either Glenn or myself or on Twitter. But um, yeah, no, it's um, another good Cheers pod, on. Glenn. Um, results aren't going <laughs> as we want. But um, yeah, let's see. We've got a tough few fixtures, so you never know. We could uh, we could get some results, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's... <laughs> But um, yeah, thanks for it's listening, not guys. The, uh, not an ideal situation at the moment, but um, you know, we could come back and have won two away games in the next episode, and it will be looking a bit different. But we shall see. But yeah, cheers for listening, guys, and uh, yes, we shall see you in episode twelve. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>